Welcome to another edition of Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is October 6th. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined once again by Partnership Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. Seven months into the pandemic, where does the U.S. economy and indeed the local economy stand And what do the months ahead have in store for us? Patrick, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Jay, it's it's always good to talk to you, especially in these times when we're both stuck at home. It's always nice to have a friendly face and a friendly voice to visit with. Absolutely. At least it's a little cooler than it's been. Thank goodness for that, right? Yeah, I'll probably carry my laptop out to my back porch and and finish up the day out there. So. (laughs) Envious, envious. All right. Well, Patrick, it's been a while since we last spoke. Can you give us an update on the current state of the U.S. economy as you see it right now? Yeah, let me, let me give you some headline numbers. If you want to look at the probably the best indicator of what's going on with the economy is the job market. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the last report out said that the U.S. had created 661,000 jobs in September, which is a, a nice number. Uh, the unemployment rate, It has fallen consistently throughout the recovery. The unemployment rate for the U.S. is now at 7.9%. The last week that we had data for on unemployment insurance claims, these are are, our national unemployment insurance claims, and that was for the last week of September. There were at 837,000 claims filed that week. That's actually the lowest number of claims filed during the recovery or during the pandemic. And uh, there's a a set of data that I like to look at a lot. The, The Wall Street Journal does a survey of prominent economists uh, about 60 of them, some of the people I know through my, my national contacts and through work over the years. They did a survey of them and asked them, what do they see happening with the economy? And the current forecast is in the, the third quarter, the quarter that we're in, that we're going to see the U.S. economy grow uh, 23.9%. Oh, gosh, I know decimal points in a radio program doesn't, don't work very well. So let's just say <laughs> we're looking at the economy growing about 24% at an annualized rate in, in third quarter. So that's obviously a pickup. It sounds overall like the U.S. economy is well on the way to recovery. Is that an accurate assessment? Well, I want to give you a little anecdote. There's Harry Truman got real frustrated once, and he said, can someone please give me a one-armed economist? And that's because every time Truman would ask uh, his economist a question, they'd say, well, on one hand, but then on the other hand... <laughs> And, and that's kind of the way it is right now. I, I just gave you some really strong numbers. But on the other hand, some of the numbers really aren't quite as good as we'd like to see them. Now, I, I said we'd created 661,000 jobs in September. And that's normally a really good, a good number because in a typical month, you know, leading up to the pandemic, we were creating jobs at the rate of 200,000 a month. So we we're creating jobs September three times what a normal month would be. But you need to remember, we lost 22.2 million jobs in the pandemic. And so far, we've only recovered about 10.6 million jobs. So it leaves another 11.6 year ago. Once again, I'm, I'm back in the decimal points. Just make it simple. Uh, we've recouped a little over 10 million. We've got close to 12 million to go. And so when you're creating jobs at the rate of 600,000 a month, we have quite a ways to go to get back to where we were. AJ, let me, let me use a metaphor to what's going on. What we're seeing with the job market is kind of like a bouncing ball. You drop a ball from a great height and it bounces pretty high, but the second bounce is a little lower and the third bounce is a little lower and the fourth bounce is a little lower and it gets to finally the bounces aren't very high at all. That's kind of what we've been seeing with the job market. In June, we added 4.8 million jobs back in the economy. 
in July 1.7, in August 1.5, September 600,000 roughly. So you can see each consecutive month, the bounce is not quite as high as before. That is a little bit of a, a concern there because we still have a lot of jobs that we need to replace. The other, on the other hand, once again, I know it'd be frustrating <laughs> Harry Truman if you were listening to this, unemployment insurance claims, we had at the peak, almost 7 million claims filed uh, that last week of March. So we had only 837,000 roughly filed the last week of September, but that's still higher than the worst week we had during the Great Recession. So we're definitely seeing them trending down, but they're still higher than they were at what we previously thought was one of the worst recessions we were ever going to experience. And for the last five months, they've been averaging around 800,000 uh, plus. So we're not quite seeing, we need to see them really get down to below 400, 500,000 to really say we're making some good progress. I'm going to talk about the unemployment rate. Everybody likes to listen to that number. It's a number people can grasp. You know, at the peak, it was at 14.7. Now it's at 7.9. But you need to understand one of the reasons why the unemployment rate is dropping is because we're having people drop out of the labor force. And so if you're not looking for work, you're not considered unemployed. So part of the improvement is, yes, we're creating jobs, creating a, a nice number, well over 10 million jobs, but also we've had over 4 million people drop out of the workforce in the last few months. And so that's also serving to push down the unemployment rate. And some of those people may be going back to school. They may be just relying on their, uh, their partner for, for, for income or what have you, but they're, they are no longer actively looking for a job, right? Is that how we characterize it? Yes. You have to be looking for a job to be considered in the workforce. And the unemployment rate is calculated based on how many people who are in the workforce don't have work. They could be going back to school. They could be relying on their partner. They could simply say, I'm done. I'm going to file mm. for social security. Mm. Or it could be uh, that I, I'm, I'm going to try to find some other way to get by. Got it. I, I listened to a presentation by Jerome Powell today, chairman of the Fed. He spoke to the National Association for Business Economics. He said if you took all these other measures into consideration, the long-term unemployed, the disenchanted workers, the unemployment rate for the U.S. would really probably be more like 11%. Mm. So it's still double digits. Absolutely. Absolutely. Patrick, that all seems a bit depressing. Do you have any uplifting news, if you would? Well, I also like to think I'm an economist that, that can see the glass half, half full, not always half empty. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen some, some good numbers there in, in some of the other areas. Uh, the consumer confidence seems to be up. Sales are up. Retail sales, auto sales are up. Home sales are up. Let me give you a little bit more specifics. Now, there are two different surveys out there of consumer confidence. There's the, the, the conference board. Uh, and it had the single one-month largest increase in consumer confidence in 17 years in September, by the way, they measured that. So according to the conference board, a surge in consumer confidence, some concern that's a little bit prejudiced because you tend to have, in their survey, people who are higher income families, higher income households, so they were less affected. But even if you look at the Michigan, Michigan consumer confidence, it's a nationwide survey, it's still showing that consumer confidence is well above March levels. So that's one thing that gives me some pause for hope or cause for hope, excuse me. Retail sales, they're up uh, 6% in August. They were up 9% in July. So we're still seeing an increase in retail sales. Home sales, these are resale homes. These aren't new homes. Resale right. homes, uh, the sort of thing Houston Association Realtors sells. Across the U.S., we're on pace to have 6 million home sales this year. At this time last year, we were on pace to have 5.4 million. Okay. Auto sales, they're not where they were a couple of years ago at 18 million, but 
at the worst part of the pandemic, we were on an annual right to sell barely 9 million new vehicles. Now we're on the right to sell about 15, 16 million new vehicles. So all these things, and what's, it's, what's nice about that is about two thirds of all activity in the economy depends upon consumer activity. Two thirds mm-hmm. of economic output, growth, GDP, all that sort of stuff. And so we are seeing some improvement in consumer confidence and sales and so forth. It's almost like we've got a little bit of a tug of war going on where you've got consumer confidence and sales pulling one way and then these high unemployment insurance claims and then some of the weakness that we're seeing in the European economy is pulling the other way. Um, but I'm on the side of, of the tug of war being won by the, the forces of good, the, for, the, the strong ones, the ones that are going to show that we will start growing and it's just going to take a little bit more pulling on that rope to pull everybody into the to positive growth side. Well, and, and you and I talked about this a little bit before, Patrick, that people who are able to spend money right now. Uh, they're not able to spend money on experiences. They're not able to go places, travel, et cetera, right now. And they're kind of nesting, right? They're looking to spend money on the things that are closest to them, merchandise, cars, their home, because of, you know, especially with, with low interest rates, these are the things that they're able to spend their money on. And that's what they're looking to do in this environment if they feel financially stable, right? Well, exactly. And that's what we're seeing when you look at the surveys done by groups like the, the Institute for Supply Management or IHS Market, and they look at the production side of the economy and the service side of the economy. The production side of the economy is recovering very nicely. The service side is, is somewhat weak, and that gets back to service side being they need to have face-to-face interaction. Social distancing interferes with the ability to, to deliver the service. It also gives you some indication of where the job growth is going to occur. It still is going to be on what we thought was going to be a, a declining part of the economy. The goods producing side and the service producing side or service providing side is the one that's struggling. Thanks, Patrick. We'll get right back to the conversation. But first, I'd like to acknowledge our sponsor. Bayou Business Download is made possible by PNC Bank, which is proud to support the Greater Houston Partnership. PNC believes that giving back to their customers, their employees, and our community is the right thing to do. Visit pnc.com slash about us to learn more. The PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., all rights reserved. Patrick, so far, our conversation has focused on the U.S. economy. What about Houston specifically? Well, Houston is pretty much mirroring the mirroring. Did I say it right? Mirroring. It is, <laughs> it's reflecting what's going on in the uh, U.S. economy. Uh, we added about eleven thousand jobs in August, about sixteen hundred in July. So uh, we're adding jobs, but once again, not quite at the rate we need to. We're still down about two hundred thirty-five thousand jobs from where we were back in February. Now, some sectors are doing well. Some sectors are, are are fairly close to fully recovering. Finance and insurance. Employment is higher in, in the finance and insurance side of Houston's economy than it's ever been before. Wow. Okay. Part is, and, I, and I've been trying to figure that out. And finally, I, I, I did figure it out. Someone told me at one of the banks that they had, when people are applying for PPP loans, they had more loans take place within a six-week period than normally take place in 12 months. Got it. And so a lot of people were brought on to handle that. And now the banks are trying to convert these PPP loans into to long-time, full-time customers. But finance and insurance is doing well. The administrative services, it's kind of the outsourcing of of security services and office cleaning and and contract workers. That makes sense as people go back to work. And professional, scientific, and technical services, we tend to think of as as white-collar occupations or white-collar fields, the accounting, the law, the the computer consulting, and so forth. All all of those have have recovered 75% or more of the jobs that they lost. So they're pretty well on the way. 
but there are some sectors that are struggling and it shouldn't surprise anybody listening to this, anybody from Houston, that, that energy is still losing jobs. And the manufacturing sector in Houston is still losing jobs. I know that's against or counterintuitive to what we said for the US, but so much of the manufacturing in Houston is tied to serving the oil and gas industry. Right. So until we start to see the oil and gas industry pick up or at least stabilize, we're gonna see some weakness in manufacturing. Couple other sectors I'm going to be watching that I'm a little bit concerned about. One is construction, because uh, we've overbuilt, as I've talked on this program before, we're, we're overbuilt an office, overbuilt in warehouse space, and we're overbuilding apartments. At some point, that will stop or slow down precipitously, and that's going to affect construction. A little bit worried about transportation. If you've been mm. listening to the news, you know the airlines are, are laying off employees, and also wholesale trade, because a lot of the wholesale trade in Houston is tied to the oil and gas industry. Okay. You know, and as we've talked about before, oil and gas isn't the growth engine for the metro region that it's been in the past. We just mentioned that. And, you know, certainly it's what's helped get us out of other recessions in the past. What do you think will drive Houston's recovery this time around? It's not going to be the oil and gas industry. Uh, if you think about it, if you look back, the Great Recession, what pulled us out of the Great Recession quicker than anyone else was the boom in the Eagleford Shell. Mm. If you look at the recession going back to the 2001, the 9-11 Enron recession, what helped us with that was that was the first big run up in oil prices. If you remember, at one time, oil prices got up to $145 a barrel. Yep. Energy's not going to do it. We are more tied to the U.S. business cycle now than we've ever been before. And so what's going to depend upon our recovery is going to depend upon how quickly the U.S. economy recovers. Because we are going to mirror them, if I pronounced it right this time, we're going to mirror them more so than we ever have in the past. That makes sense. Now, AJ, there are some things, similarly with the U.S. economy, where there are some things which, which give me hope and some things which give me pause. I just told you what gave me pause. Let me tell you some things that give me hope in Houston. Now, we're looking at the Purchasing Managers Index, the PMI. Uh, it, it is a, a survey of, of purchasing managers around the region asking questions about production and sales and employment. It is above 50, and 50 being that kind of neutral point where it's below 50, the economy is contracting, above 50, it's expanding. It's above 50 now, it's at 52.6. So that's a sign based on what the purchasing managers are seeing out there. Economic activity is picking up. Local home sales, no different than the U.S. We're on a record pace for home sales this year. We'll probably sell well over 105,000 homes. And sales tax collections are beginning to pick up. Now, I, I have a a spreadsheet where I'm trying to track what's going on in the biggest cities in the region. There are over 100 cities that collect sales tax. But I'm just trying to follow the 12 biggest ones. And April sales tax collections were down by about 15%. Now they're only down by about 6%. So they're still down, but that gap is narrowing. So we are starting to see some pickup in activity. So yeah, we are starting to see some, some, some growth in Houston, but we still have a long ways to go. Patrick, of course, the $50,000 question for everyone, right, is how long do we need to wait until things return to quote unquote normal? And, and, and we have to define what normal is too, right, as part of the answer to that question. But what do you see? Some sectors of the economy are going to cover quicker than others. Some sectors will reach normal. And if people could see me right now, I'm doing air quotes around normal. We'll return to normal a lot sooner. What we see in the, the white-collar occupations, those that can be performed remotely, those that don't require face-to-face -face interaction are going to recover quicker. And I'd already touched upon that, things like in the professional services area. 
sectors which uh, require face-to-face -face interaction, and I sound like I'm beating a dead horse. Sorry about using a cliche. I know you hate cliches. I hate cliches. <laughs> uh, restaurants and retail are going to continue to struggle. Yeah. We're not going to get any help from energy. Uh, and, and frankly, it's kind of hard to tell exactly who is going to recover first, but I could tell you who's going to recover last, and that is going to be manufacturing, construction, and energy. And those those sectors typically have higher salaries. We have a lot of folks working in those sectors here in the Houston region. Does that give you pause or concern, you know, moving into uh, the last half of this year, the certainly into next year and beyond? The energy industry is one of the best paid industries in Houston, if not the best paid. It's easy, whether you are a blue collar worker, blue collar worker can easily make 100,000 in energy. White collar worker can make 200,000. Right. You're looking at some versus someone who works on a shop floor versus someone uh, who works in the office. And so, and those employees spend their money in the economy. So it supports a lot of other activities. But also you see that their linkages and supply chains are going to be disrupted when you start to see the energy industry wind down. Mm. So that does have me very much worried. And at the partnership, we're working real hard to try to deal with what we're referring to as energy 2.0 which is what is the next stage in energy going to be in Houston? Uh, the challenge is to find companies that are going to be of the scale or industries that are going to be of the scale. Easily you look at the majors, the, the large ones like Exxon or Chevron and Shell, and you're looking at eight, nine, 10,000 employees there. When you're trying to bring in a, a software firm that's doing something in the energy field, you're looking at maybe 100, 200, 300 workers. Yeah. So it's going to take a lot more of those, but we are working on that at the partnership. And maybe, hopefully, somewhere out there, there is a compact computer that will rise up from being an idea on the back of a napkin to employing 14,000 people, which is what happened with compact in the 80s. Right, right. And I think this is a, a time, as you've seen in the past and in, in, in trying periods in the past and recessions in the past, when big ideas can really lead to big companies. Patrick, thank you for your insight today. AJ, I'm always glad to share some insights. I hope when people listen to this, I, I help them have a better understanding of what's going on out there, or at least give them a little bit of comfort uh, about maybe a decision they've already made based on a previous podcast. <laughs> that's exactly it. And Patrick, thanks again. And that's it for this episode of Bayou Business Download. Thank you again to PNC Bank for helping make this podcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. You'll also find links to recent data and news updates. Please continue to follow the directives from local officials and health experts. Thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.